Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, back with Ed, and Ed, Tom is back here too. Tom is back. It's been like a month since he's resurfaced, but he's back from vacationing and daddy duties. What up, player? It's good to be back, guys. Hope you held it down without me. Of course we did. Always. Now, Tom, there's a rumor floating around that you were in Atlanta. Is this true? It's true. What brought you to what brought you to the dirty <laughs> south? Uh, I had to try the Chick Fil A spicy chicken sandwich. Oh. That's the only place I knew where to get it from. Oh, of course and. you did. Good lord! I, I tried it, guys. You want to know my reaction? What's that? I thought it was just okay, but then I did, I wasn't going to eat the whole thing, and then my wife just finished the rest of mine off as well as hers. So well, there you well, go. I guess I guess she was a fan. <laughs> man. At least someone liked it. Yeah, I'm not. I know they get hyped. I'm not. Remember, Wendy's had one. Like it was all right. People were acting like it's the best thing ever. It's not really all that to me. Well, I actually have bigger fast food news than this. This is breaking news. You know, I don't eat red meat, right, guys? Right. I just had the next best thing, the Burger King Impossible Whopper. Man, oh, that thing tasted goodness. like meat. My wife has been. My wife does not eat fast food really at all, and she definitely doesn't eat Burger King. But she swears by this thing. She swears it's so good. So I well, might try it out. But it seems weird. I'll be honest though. I tried it. You know, I've had uh, you know the plant-based meat before. Man, this thing literally just tastes. It has no taste. All I tasted was the ketchup and the pickles and the bun. So it's not gritty or tastes like Nickelodeon slime or anything like that. No. Come on, though. No. It's just like you get a textured patty that has no flavor, and then you get the flavor of the ketchup. So you eat a so... ketchup sandwich is what you tell me. <laughs> mm. Pretty much. It had no seasoning or flavor to me, so. I'll eat it, though. I mean, compared to other fast foods, like if I had a choice, I wouldn't mind. It's not bad for you, so I don't mind it. Yeah, I think that's what her point was. She was like, if I'm going to eat it and I'm going to eat something gross, at least I'll eat this because it won't kill me as fast. Something like that. Y'all have fun with your Play-Doh burgers, though. I don't know if I'm man enough. (laughs) All right. Well, Tom, once I find out that there's an impossible chicken burger, you'll be first on the the call list. (laughs) Tom is not giving up his his real chicken. That's not going to happen. I just might have to. We'll see. Good lord, don't get him started. Alright, well, I'm going to get you guys started on a couple of things. Are we ready to talk about some new R&B here? Oh boy, we certainly are. Tom, you missed a couple good weeks. I tried to catch (laughs) up, and uh, I've heard what's coming out lately, and I heard the reaction, so I'm I'm afraid to hear. Yeah, you should be. Alright, well, I mean, we touched on Fantasia's album uh, Ed, a couple of weeks ago, but you wrote a whole review on it. Do you want to just fill the people in? I know they're going to go to So In Stereo and read the whole thing, but it doesn't seem like the Fantasia fans were attacking you, were they? No, no, and I kind of expected them to wow, because as we know, Fantasia has a pretty dedicated fan base. And my review wasn't negative at all. Shout out to Fantasia. She even showed it a little bit of love. But essentially, is what we've talked about in past weeks. I don't really think it's... I know she was not a fan of her last album, but this one isn't that much better to me. I understand what she was doing with the diversity of the sounds, which I thought was cool. And the the songs that are really in her lane, she nails those. 
But some of the other stuff, the trap stuff, it was very unnecessary. Some of the poppy stuff just was not resonating. It's just kind of uneven, like the last album. Not terrible, but nothing I would really want to revisit. Hmm. Now, Tom, you've been active on our Twitter, and you've seen the Fantasia fans. They like and retweet pretty much everything Fantasia-related that we tweet about. Did you realize yeah. Fantasia had such a big following? Um, I remember when we first interviewed her, I'll, you know, because there was such like a great response to our interview with her. That was probably like five, six years ago. And uh, I just remember how much of a impact her fans had in spreading that article, so I did realize that. It's pretty cool to see because you really don't see that strong of a following for artists these days, especially in R&B. Yeah, and I will yeah. say about the Fantasia, I don't know if they have a name. I will definitely put them as far as a fan base above some of these other fan bases out there. They're passionate, but at least they're reasonable. Please teach the barbs to have some good sense because they've been in my mentions for two days like roaches. Go away. <laughs> Now, Ed, actually, I know you published another um, review recently as well alongside Fantasia, and that was for Little Kim. I just oh had to mention God. that because I really wanted to hear the music Soul Child song and your reaction to it. So I listened to it and read your review. First of all, man, you trashed her. Ouch. But second of all, <laughs> I listened to the music Soul Child song that he's featured on on it. If, I didn't, if someone didn't tell me that was Little Kim, Rapping on that song, I would have not even known that was her. It doesn't even sound that, like her at all. Exactly, and I said that in my review. And as I said in my review, I was actually pretty sad to publish this. But as you know, your boy, for good or bad, I'm going to be honest, even though I love Kim. She didn't sound anything like Little Kim. I don't know what this thing was we heard, but it yeah. didn't sound like her. I mean, good for music for hopping on that record. But the weird thing was... The Barb's, the Nicki Minaj minions, were like retweeting and celebrating this. They were like, "Everybody, look at this oh. album! This dude dissed his fan." <laughs> it was insane. So, like, I've got the little Kim fans mad because I wrote a bad review. The Nicki Minaj fans celebrating that I wrote a bad review. Then there are some people who are like, "Yeah, you're right. You should have dissed it." Twitter is madness. Y'all give me a headache. Be like the Fantasia fans. At least they got sense. <laughs> well, can we get into the Twitter fans for a second? This is actually going to be a play of please, but I need to hear your guys' opinion on this topic right here. Um, as you guys know, Def Jam singer, artist, hip-hop artist, I don't know what he is actually, but YK Osiris <laughs> is his name. The Golden Child is the album. Troy Taylor hit me up and said, hey, I produced a couple of records on here. It'll remind you of Trey Song's. Um, so I went and listened to the songs, and Make Love and I think Sexual is the other one. They do sound like Trey songs, circa 2009 records. Ed, I think you made the same comment on that. But, Ed, can you detail what happened on Twitter? Player, I have no idea what happened. So this is what went down. Um, I follow a account called Bait and Hip Hop. Shout out to my boy. He's, he's good people. But he saw that... YK had tweeted something to, and y'all correct me, or something to the equivalent of, hey, did anybody check out my album today? Some just like very honest, simple question. Well, he trolled and he retweeted, and that caused the entire internet for 24 hours to troll poor YK and talk about how nobody knows who he is and diss the poor man. What in the world did he do to anybody? 
I mean, I have, a, I have an answer to what he did to people. How did he get an album out? I mean, we've got people waiting for years over years to get an album out with such buildup. And he just comes out the back door and gets an album out overnight. I'd never even heard of the guy. And we're on the pulse of R&B. I had not heard of him, but I will say this, because when I had not heard of him until Kyle shared those songs with us to say, hey, check these songs out. And I thought they were all right. But then I went back and remembered that he was featured on that dude, the baby. He that album I reviewed a few weeks ago. He was randomly featured there. But he was just some random feature. I didn't even remember his name until I looked out at what he had done. I was like, oh, that's that guy? So I had no idea he had this Def Jam career. And clearly Twitter didn't either because they tore my boy up. <laughs> well, actually, the guy he has a song called Worth It. I'm not sure if anyone knows that, but it's top 10 on Urban and Rhythmic. So Is it really? I guess so, he does have a hit on it. He has a okay, hit. Well, yeah, we missed out on this one. <laughs> All right, my bad. I didn't. I guess I, you know what it is. We get a lot of emails from labels, and I just see YK Osiris. I probably just assumed it was a new rapper on Def Jam because no one's signing R and B acts and putting them out. Yeah, I mean, but and hey. also keep this in mind. This is 2019. Do you realize just the level of the amount of artists that are out there? I know your inbox. I, you should see mine, and probably worse is yours. There's so many artists that are trying to get their music out. There's so much. Random people that are just emerging on the internet. So many weirdos on social media just kind of posting their own stuff. It's impossible to keep up with all of these new names and new artists. And even yeah. with our two sites where, that are dedicated to trying to tell that story. Unless someone directly comes to us, it's going to be easy to slip under the radar. So yeah, right. I had not really heard of dude. And I can't blame y'all for not hearing of them either. Well, Tom, on on the flip side, even our Facebook and our and our website, they were all dissing this guy. Man, he must have done something really horrible. <laughs> I I mean, I just didn't see what stood out about him to make him unique and make him a special talent. I mean, no diss to him. It's just I guess they felt the same way. I don't know. Now, I think what it was is just usual social media mob mentality. One person says something funny, so I have to try to say something funny too, and then we've got two thousand people all trying to out-joke each other. And unfortunately, my man was the butt of that joke. I have no beef with the homie. I haven't even heard the album yet, but give the man a break. Jeez. <laughs> all right. Well, Ed, are we also going to give our boy Jaquise a break? He renamed his album title. Previously, it was Round 2. And, Ed, it is now called The King of R&B. Ed, Oh, i like to Tom. break something off on him, all right. Tom, is this a brilliant marketing strategy by Jacquees or what? I made the comment to you guys. The dude stepped up, said he was the king. There was outrage for a whole probably seven days. Everyone <laughs> calmed down. And he's still claiming he's the king. So who else is No one really ever stepped up to take it from him. So at this point, just give the guy the crown. Let him, let him call himself that. I mean, I'm good. Oh, I ain't good, but I mean, unfortunately, Tom <laughs> is correct because it's. I mean, we see this in hip hop. Anybody comes out, Ti comes out. I'm the king of the south. Well, nobody just debates that. Well, I guess he is because nobody <laughs> stepped up. And I remember when he said that they tried to get Scarface and all these veteran artists to like start beefing. Be like, oh, you gonna let him say that? And he's like, oh, I don't care. So yeah, if the veterans <laughs> don't care, then yeah. why? Why? So we've got this guy claiming to be king, whatever. But here's what annoys me, players. Because of the 
uh, brilliant yet annoying album title that we have, we're gonna have a whole batch of fans when this album drops who is gonna they're gonna stream it just because they want to see how bad it really is. So this brother yep. is gonna get rewarded. He's gonna get rewarded for his talking junk. So and again, we live in this era where it's not just sales; it streams. Pretty easy to just put up an album and listen to it while you're supposed to be working on Friday. So he's gonna get the streams just out of curiosity. This Jacquees dude is gonna win, and I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> well, um, he has Gunna, and he has Young Thugga Thugga on the album Red, <laughs> so stay tuned. Oh, I can't wait to review that one. Ed, can you imagine? It's been a if he bad actually few delivers? days for reviews. Say what now? Can you imagine if he actually delivers a classic album? I, I for one, will be surprised. Um, it ain't happening. And don't get me wrong, because when he dropped his last album, I was actually saying that it was much better than I expected. Jacquees is not terrible. Well, he's a terrible human being. But with the right production and the right writers, he can be okay. I don't like this thing where he's doing now where he's like covering a bunch of 90s songs because he cannot do that. Oh, you sound terrible. Keep mm-hmm. doing your stuff. Stay in your lane. Holler at John L. Jones, get him to write, bring in John B., get in the veterans to help cultivate your sound. You'll be okay doing that. But, player, stop trying to sing 702, please, for my sake. (laughs) Right. Uh, Tom, can we talk about Neil's Christmas album? Isn't it October? (laughs) It is, but this is when this stuff comes out. It's got to take time to build. I mean, you heard it. You liked it, right? Yeah, it was cool. It was uh, so he had some classic records on there, classic Christmas records, and then he had I think three or four original songs. Um, and I know one of your Cipher listeners really liked the project. I think Camper produced one, and it was kind of like, you know, it was a classic Neil, but he just threw like Christmas themes in there. There was one record, and I think it was like talking about how his like family argues over dinner at, during Christmas time. Did you hear the project? I have not heard that, and I'm blanking on who was trying to hype it up to us, um, I'm, and they're going to kill me because I can't remember who was hyping it. But, yeah, there were members of the Cypher that were really like, you got to check this out, not just because it's a good Christmas album. It was a good album in general. So, I, oh, the Brown. Yeah, it was the Brown. Shout him out. The Brown is the one who hyped it. So I have not heard it yet, but I heard that it was pretty decent as far as a project. I'll go back and listen. This week has been killer. And I've been spending all my time writing terrible album reviews, clearly. So I got to catch up on the good stuff. Right. Tom, what are your favorite Christmas R&B songs? And don't say that Mariah Carey song, because we're about to hear it for the next two months. Oh, Oh, man. My favorite Christmas songs? I mean, probably this Christmas. That song has been covered by every single person ever. But I like the original version. Can't go wrong with that. Including Neil on this album. (laughs) Oh, he did? Yeah, I really, I really like surprised. the Brian. It's Brian McKnight and uh, Boys to Men. Their song together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, Let it snow, another classic. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, and do you think this Mariah record will hit number one this year? Without a doubt, <laughs> we're ready. Oh no question. <laughs> oh man, uh, a couple more records I want to talk about. Tom, your boy Tony Sunshine from the Terror Squad, he dropped a new record. He did. His manager hit us up, asked us to take a listen. We're still waiting on his debut album. Ed, do you remember when he first came out? 
I sure do. And I remember there was a lot of buzz around Tony Sunshine. For those who missed yeah. it, there was a point in the early 2000s where Terror Squad was really picking up some momentum. And he was like the R&B voice. So, yeah. yeah, I remember that very well. Missed opportunities along the way. He had like seven record deals over the years, believe it or not. <laughs> Jeez. It's crazy. But he never had an album yet. Well, maybe this time is uh, is the time. It's cool to see him continue to grind and push. And there's another artist that is grinding and pushing. Uh, I wasn't going to mention this, but we might as well. Uh, Nivea dropped a new album, Mirrors. It was kind of a surprise mm-hmm. album. Uh, oh, we, man. Uh, she was supposed to join our podcast a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she no-showed us like three times. But yes, the good news is, uh, Ed, Ed uh, she was on vlad tv which i guess is where all people go to for some reason and shout outs to vlad he does his job well but how come he's picking how come she picked him over us all right can i go off a little bit can i go (laughs) off because i because i've been holding this one in the last time we mentioned this i was trying and i don't think you were here tom but i was trying to behave because i'm like i see tom on my shoulder like the angel being like pull it in but let me speak out a little bit if it ain't, you can edit this out, Kyle, if I go too far. But here's the thing. Oh, and y'all know, got beef, E.T. Bowser on Twitter. You can go join the barbs and yell at me there. Anyway, here's a breakdown of what happened. We invited, as you know, we always invite artists to come and use this platform because we are fans of R&B. And we know if you're listening to this podcast, you're a fan of R&B. And we want you to have the ability to hear and connect with these artists that either you haven't heard from or that are dropping projects. So my boy Kyle reached out to Miss Nivea, not once, not twice, but three times. And what happened? Every time we reached out, we would be like, okay, we're going to set up the interview for whatever. It'll be a Wednesday. It'll be Sunday. It'll be whenever. We get and we wait and we'd have to listen to that dumb little conference line song for a thousand times. <laughs> and she wouldn't show up. Because our cell phone broke, because the babies had to go to the doctor, because of this, because of that. But when time Vlad calls, and no beef to Vlad, Vlad doing his thing, front and center and getting that interview straight. Here is my issue with that, players. If you are dropping an R&B project, and there is a outlet that speaks directly to R&B fans, wouldn't you want to talk about your R&B project on the R&B outlet? Or... Would you like to go on the Gassed Up podcast that, of you know, let's keep it real, has a bigger fan base, but probably ain't going to talk about your project. Probably will talk about all your baby mama drama and all the other stuff and then talk to an audience that probably don't even really care about the music, but just wants to hear about the drama. So if you want to come to us, come talk about your music. If you want to go to them, go talk about your drama. But when the sales ain't popping, don't wonder why you didn't talk directly to the audience who would have picked up on those sales. I know I'm sounding like Suge Knight talking to Puffy. Come to Death Row where you don't have to hear all that dancing in the videos. But come to the Soulback Podcast where you don't have to be dancing with your drama. And we can talk about what is most important and what these fans want to hear. Your career. But I know y'all just rolling with the most popular, so go have fun with that. We'll see how these sales shake out. Ed, <laughs> I'm very, I gotta be honest with you. 
I'm not one bit disappointed in you. I really don't even care anymore. So you can say whatever you want. I may not co-sign you, but I just don't care. You know, I've, I'm kind of <laughs> sick of it too. So let's let them have it. <laughs> well, see, and I'm also mad because I was defending her. Because around the third time that she kind of ghosted us, you know, you guys were getting frustrated. And I'm like, look, she's she's got a family. she got stuff going on. I try to give players the benefit of the doubt. I really do. And I know some of y'all are going to say I'm being bitter and salty. I don't care. There are plenty of other people we can interview instead of Nivea. It's not about that. We are saying that when it comes to the art of R&B, we want to see the genre thrive. So if you got an R&B project popping, wouldn't make sense to go to the the podcast that talks the most about R&B instead of the podcast that talks the most about the drama. So let's see how your sales shake out there, player. That's all I got to say. But well, don't come crying to us when the tail's not popping. I'll, I'll let you chime in, Kyle. But first, I just want to say what these artists don't get is... You can go to a site like Vlad TV, and of course they have more viewers. But the minority of the people who view your interview even care about what you're, you know who Nivea is. They they're hip hop fans, the majority. Everyone who comes, you know, I got soul and soul and stereo as R and B fans. So even though they have a bigger following, the reach you're going to get out of an interview on an actual R and B site is going to be, you know, better. It's it's just you know it adds up differently. That they, they don't look at it like that though. They just want numbers. They don't look at you know how it breaks down the views who matters you know so that's what i don't think they get it but kyle i mean you made a, a post on on instagram and you were a little bit upset about that but what did you think i mean it kind of touches exactly on what ed was talking about and i'll give you a perfect example as we talk about vlad tv's viewership and again this is not a shot at vlad or the breakfast club or who are whoever else people have mentioned no, not um, at all. but I'm looking at the comments on this Nivea interview on Vlad TV. Someone wrote, she fine as hell, I'd clap those cheeks. Someone, wrote, <laughs> someone else wrote, watching this made me want milk. Mm-hmm. And someone else says, she seems high. And another comment wrote, all I see is titties. So, with all of that said, it's like, you wouldn't see those comments, or maybe you might see a little. I've seen those Claudette Ortiz comments on our page. Uh, yeah, there sorry, I probably there. made those. There is some well creeper out there talking about he wants to suck Claudette's toes or something. It's it's disgusting. I don't. <laughs> okay, that yeah, one won't me. To me, I get some creepy comments too. And Mac Wilds, Tom, there's this like crazy Mac Wild fan that comments on our Mac Wild interviews like every three months. But regardless, <laughs> aside from those people, the majority of our fans are R&B fans. They want to know about the creative process. They want to know. You know, what their mindset was like when they created the project. They want to hear about the history of their discography and their journey. Like, that's the stuff, to me, as far as an outlet that we care about and that matters to us. And I know there's an audience for that. So, I mean, and this is no shot at at, at Nivea. I guess it's a little because the album's not that great. But, um, (laughs) it, it really wasn't. But, again, guys, it's like, at some point... And I don't know who we're supposed to blame for this, if it's the artists, if it's their managers. Um, At some point, they have to come to a realization that views don't equate to sales, right? Just because you're, I, I don't know. I totally agree. And I was having this conversation with my wife just yesterday, in fact. Um, And a lot of this, we, we talk trying to place blame with, you know, whether it's Nivea, whether it's the management of her team 
honestly, it's the culture because we have a culture that basically says your worth is determined by your follower count and your view count. And people will look, I mean, you know, I have the, the blue check on Twitter, whatever, and people get gassed up about that. It. It's whatever. Because at the end of the day, it's not about the check. It's about what you can bring and how much quality you have. And if you are really a voice in your audience, for your audience, I should say. So people get so caught up on followers. I have one of my mentees has more followers on Instagram than me, than my wife. And you got, you know, I got souls accounts combined. I'm not exaggerating. He has that. He just graduated high school. He was very Damn. popular in high school and makes very popular videos. Because of <laughs> that, people will look to him as an influencer because he's got like 141K followers or whatever insane number it is. That boy don't know how to do nothing. Shout out to my boy. That's my boy. But just being honest, like he is a young man still learning the world. But we have placed so much value on how many followers you got, how many dishes you got, and how many that you got. That does not convey experience or intelligence or ability to speak to a certain audience. It doesn't mean you have a lot of people looking at your stuff. That's why I do not get caught up in blue checks and follower count and none of that stuff. Because a lot of people y'all following, they have no idea what they're talking about. And again, to clarify, we are not dissing Vlad at all. But we are talking about the importance for R&B artists going into this new decade. If you want to get your projects out, especially you veterans that have been gone for a minute and you're trying to get back on, you need to speak directly to your audience. You're going to find your audience... That you know I got soul. You're going to find it at Soul and Stereo. If you want to find your audience of people who just like to look at your Instagram posts, you can go head on to those bigger sites. But talk to your audience, not the randoms. I, I'll just Paul, add one it, more thing. Go, mm -hmm. ahead, go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was going to say, isn't it true that her team actually submitted the album to us, but still there, there was no interview offer in sight? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to see that. I mean, not surprisingly, really. I mean, it is what it is. I honestly don't feel like these people, these artists, or these teams have any clue of what they're doing or what's going on. But in reality, I had a friend of mine hit me up, and I'm not going to name who it was because he's been on the, this show before. I don't want to put him on blast. But he said, what is Nivea doing, and what is up with her album cover? I mean, <laughs> when, I, when I saw the album cover, I just my immediate thought was, why would she? Be, she doesn't. She doesn't get it. I mean, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but like, ugh, I'm done on this topic. It's views and clicks, player. Say what it is. It's views and clicks, and it will yeah. get shared, and it will get views and clicks. But is anybody clicking on an actual playlist? Anybody listening to the music? Or are we gawking at the gold dust looking picture? Doesn't gold dust. Gold dust. Miss, wow. Mrs. Gold dust. That's what I thought. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, on on YouTube, and just to show you how undefeated the internet is, someone wrote, she looks like a filled garbage bag with old wigs. Damn. Oh, oh my God. Goodness. That's awful. <laughs> that so only on Black TV. Not on this whole back yeah, There you go. Not on here. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? Shout out to Nivea. We actually have nothing against her. Um we just kind of wish that she had joined us on the podcast, but hey. Oh, I'm mad. I got stood up three times. Play, I got stuff to do. Yeah. 
Facts. But yeah. other than that, I, I have no problem with, you know, her material, even her as a person. I just like expect a little bit more professionalism. That's all I say. And I know they're going to be heated. So anybody's mad, direct it toward me, not my boys. <laughs> so get mad at me. But I say what I well, say. Well, we've got enough, uh, some music that's coming out. JoJo put out a new record, Joanna, and that's, yeah, I think she's going to have a actual lead single come out in the coming weeks. And uh, Tom, I think Nicole Buss is set to come out soon, too. Well, hold on about JoJo. Which, she's, she's fired up. Did you guys hear this song? Mm-hmm. I have not heard this yet. Yeah, I heard she's a little addressed- bit of it. She's addressing the haters, and seemed like she has some stuff to get off her chest on this song. I don't know which would happen to her, but you guys should check it out. Well, as we know, and I think most of our listeners know, JoJo's had a tough road when it comes to like labeled politics and a lot of things. She's frustrated, so I'm not surprised that she's going to let it crack. But like I say, let it out in the music. That's how hits are made. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently her album will be more urban slash R&B, so we shall see uh, mm-hmm. what happens see. with that. Nicole Bus has it. a project uh, coming out October 18th. Isn't that in like five days, Tom? It is. That'll be interesting to see how that one does. Yeah, I kind of feel like she probably should have released it earlier when her single was blowing up. I know she has a follow-up, Mr. Big Shot, but I don't know. It just seems like kind of a random release to me, but we'll see what happens yeah. with that. And then Chuck Harmy and, and uh, Claude Kelly, Louise York, is set to come up with their album as well. Tom, we just now, spoke I've been to waiting recently. on this one. Louis York, our boys. Man, they have one of my favorite songs this year. We, we'll have that interview coming out soon. Yep. And then, of course, Tank is set to come out later this month as well as Gallant. So, Tom, a lot of good music. And Ed, you're going to have to do some reviewing here. Yep, I've got Galan on my slate. I had planned to listen to him. Um, shout out to his team. They gave us a sneak peek of that. So we'll have a review of that pretty soon. <sighs> Tank, we shall see. I feel like we go through this every other year. But we shall see. Do you guys realize that Raphael Sadiq put out an album this year? <laughs> yes. No, I just feel like I'm just looking back at this year. There was so much anticipation of an album for him. In that moment, he did so many interviews and press, and then it kind of just fizzled away. He didn't push it to radio. He's kind of, I mean, he is going on tour, but like he's kind of more behind the scenes, so the album doesn't get a chance to live on. That's that's my point. Yeah, and the thing is, I and I really like that album. Um, shout out to my man, because I know that album, a lot of people were kind of scratching their head, because it's very dark, and yeah. not as, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's not soulful, but it's pretty heavy. It's a a lot heavier than people expected. I really liked it and thought it was one of the better releases of the year. So be definitely on my end of the year list for sure. But I agree with you. There wasn't a lot of promote. There was a lot of build up in interviews and hype, but man, right after the project came out, then that was it. And that's mm-hmm. something we see a lot this year where we, even artists, we have the Nivea's where artists just drop an album out of nowhere, but then we have some that have a little bit of momentum behind it. The album comes out, and people talk about it for like a day or two, and then they're on to the next. It's really hard mm-hmm. to get a foothold in this marketplace without radio singles churning, without BT playing the video 24-7, no Midnight Love to shove the songs down your throat. So it's kind of hard to kind of stay at top of mind. Well, Kyle, let me ask you this. <clears throat> when did Solange's last album come out? 
I believe that was this year, actually. Was it? It was. It was early this year. I'm looking at albums that came out. It just seems like it was so long ago. It was in March. It's just so much music is on our plate these days. It's so, I mean, it just seems like it fades away so quickly now because there's so much music. Well, Tom, I actually spoke to the producer, uh, Harmony Samuels, our boy H Money, and I was complaining about, you know, song length and them being two minutes and 30 seconds. And he actually made an interesting point from a streaming standpoint. It actually makes more sense mathematically to have songs that are so short because then you can repeat it over and over again. Because you can't really yeah. repeat a song that's five minutes long. So I think due to these songs being so short, there's just an influx of records coming out and people aren't taking the time to put a long song out, which I guess would take longer to create as well. Yeah, but if yeah. the song... Can you pack the same quality into two and a half minutes that you can into like four minutes? I mean, is it... You know, if, if you can do that, more power to you. But who's going to keep streaming a song that's two and a half minutes if the song has not been that good? You know, well, um, exactly. And and shout out to Harmony, because I know he knows what he's talking about. But this reminds me of a conversation with our boy, John Michael. Shout out my dude. And he was talking about this on the Solar Serial Cypher a couple of days ago. Artists are he's right. Artists are putting out shorter songs and that may be strategic. But as John pointed out, to make a longer song takes more time, more effort, more production time, more writing time at the end of the day. These artists are just putting out smaller songs because it's quicker, and you can do a quicker turnaround. And it's, for lack of a better term, lazier. So it's easier to put out more music quicker if you're just doing two-minute songs, no bridges, one or two verses, that's it, than it is to have a fully formed, crafted song. And then we are training a generation of fans that these two-minute songs are the norm. So then when they hear a four-minute song, they're like, oh, this is too long, I'm tuning out. So we're just kind of feeding into this microwavable culture of music is supposed to be short. It's supposed to be disposable. It's supposed to be for the moment. And then people wonder why we don't have any classic albums. Well, because albums come and go like the seasons and nothing lasts. That Solange album, I mean, I had a lot of problems with that Solange album. But Tom <laughs> is right. That feels like two years ago. But yeah. no, that was a few months ago. And we, we're in an era where we get... What three or four releases a week? No, and with like thirty tracks with two minutes, there's no way that this stuff is actually going to stick to your ribs, so to speak. So we're just in a culture and a mindset where people want quick, fast, in a hurry, something that I can vibe to until I can get something new to vibe to next week. Weird times, dog. Hold on, Ed. Weren't you the reason why Old Town Road hit number one? Weren't you streaming it like 24-7? And that song's only like two minutes long, too. I'm going to stream these hands <laughs> all the way up to Canada. Wow. I can't wait till um, that dude falls off. Why is he still around? Didn't he, like, retire? I wish he did. I know that there was a point where he was all stressed out by the fame because basically the label made him a star. This is just some YouTube dude. He didn't want all this attention. So I think he started stressing out and wanted. That's why he was talking of retiring. But, you know, Jay-Z retired too, and here we are. (laughs) Well, guys, I want to get on topic to something that Ed posted on his So In Stereo Cypher. I participated in it. Or sorry, so in serial.com. I participated with uh, on it. 
along with a panel of experts, R&B experts. And Tom, I want your, and this is this is one of those rapid fire things. Give me your top oh, five boy. R&B songs of the decade. How is this rapid fire <laughs> of the decade? Okay, let me just scan through my whole memory real quick. I was glad to say he can't remember what came out in March, and you asked him about the decade. <laughs> and can Tom, Ed just share with us his, and, please? Hold on, and Tom Darnell Jones, "Where I Want to Be," did not come out 2010 later, so you can't say that. One. Oh damn! Must have just missed. <laughs> just missed it oh. by 20 years. Sorry, you're old. I can't even think of All any right. song that came out between 2000 and 2010. Are you kidding me? All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to name the top 10 records. Um, and then Ed, if you want to comment on it, but before you comment on it, let's hear Tom's reaction to each of these records. I'd be curious to hear what Tom, now that he's looked back at it 10 years later. And to be fair, before you jump in, Kyle, again, this is, this isn't necessarily my list. Like some of the other lists we've discussed, this was a list of, we've had panelists that included Kyle who came together and nominated 30 of their top picks of songs for the years. And we compiled them into one big list, averaged them up, everybody ranked them, and there you go. And right, I just realized something. I never even got an invite to this cipher. You didn't because you were like out of town and birthing babies and visiting Ed, stadiums. Man, there's all this conversation going on without me. I, I want in, it. Well, now you get in. Now that you're back <laughs> from your stadium. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into that. Tom, imagine it being like the shade room, but even worse. I'm out. <laughs> oh my god! I'm out. I'm out. Leave me out. This wasn't a. It wasn't a Nivea interview. Calm down. <laughs> all right, all right. So I'm gonna name the top ten songs, and Tom, you're gonna give me your reaction, your thoughts on the song, or anything. Just give me anything. Uh, before we get into the top ten, here are some songs that missed the top ten. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you cry here, Tom. Uh, number sixteen was Michael Jackson's "Love Never Felt So Good." Okay. Uh, 14. Great song. One of your favorite songs, Couple of Forevers by Chrisette Michelle. Great song. Uh, number 12, uh, Frank Ocean, Thinking About You, which I think I ranked at like 90, so I'm not sure how it ended up at number 12, but, you know. Because everybody else ranked it at like 5. I would have put the Bridget Kelly version, but okay. <laughs> All right. Top 10 records here. At 10, we have Sierra Body Party. Uh <sighs> It's just a remake of an old song, basically. Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, number t- number nine, we have Suit and Tie by JT. You like that song. All right. That's good. Uh, number eight, we have Sure Thing by Miguel. Interesting. That made it to the top ten. Must have been a weak yep. decade. All right. Let's keep going. <laughs> well, actually, uh, yes, it was. But keep going. <laughs> Uh, number seven, we have Booed Up by LMA, your girl. Your girl. And we're, we're starting to go downhill fast, okay. Oh, man. Well, can we give Zeppelin a shout-out? Didn't he just call LMA like the goat? Oh, my God. He was trolling us on purpose, and we actually fell for it. <laughs> Again. <laughs> All right. Number six, we have Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. Are we allowed to say that, or are we going to get sued? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five, we have Party by Beyonce. Oh, great song. That's that's a good pick. Wow. 
Uh, number four, we have That's What I Like by pop singer Bruno Mars. That, I thought this was an R&B list. Ed? Well, it's from an R&B album, so it counts. Uh, All right. We're not going to touch that one, Tom. We're, we're going to get into that. Or not. Get into or not. More trouble. Uh, number three, we have Solange. Go to number cranes. three. <laughs> Solange cranes in the sky. <laughs> eh. I feel like that. It, oh, man. That's just a song that proves how weak of a decade this was. If you put that oh. in the 2000s, that wouldn't even have made the top 100. If you I put mean, that in honestly, the 90s, you... that wouldn't have made the oh, top 1,000. Oh, well, if you put any of this stuff in the 90s, it wouldn't make <laughs> the top 5,000. Like, you can't uh, do that. Suit and tie. I mean, yeah. I think no, party, not even suit and yeah. tie. All right. No. Let's go. Tom, are you saying that? Party is an album cut that, oh, in the oh. 90s. <laughs> Hold on. Are you guys saying that if Color Me Bad released I Want to Sex You Up in 2017, it would be number one on this list? Now I don't know about I Want to Sex You Up, but... What list was that high up on? And even in the 90s? I know. That was, that's what I'm saying. That was a uh, He got a DJ lot of hype. DJ Soulchild <laughs> is getting his response ready. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Warning shots. That was a hit. <laughs> Uh, number two, we have the greatest duet of all time, Daniel Caesar and her best part. Tom? Uh, what list is this? Can I hang up this on this podcast, please? You're joking, but I've actually heard this called the greatest, one of the greatest duets of all time. Did you have a hand in this list, Ed? I have a hand, yes. It's on my site. Do you, put, do you think I would put some weird stuff up there? No, I didn't I need, write that this high. I will say that. I need to know who to blame for this monstrosity. Well, well, I think you can um, blame your co-host for that one. Uh, if I may interrupt here, uh, Daniel Caesars is Canadian, and her is like here we go. my best friend. So, um, not going to say that I put it up at number two, but uh, I might be a reason why it's this high up. You are. Let me and just ask you a no- quick question. So, yes. you had a song like that higher than a song like Raheem Devon's Ridiculous? Ridiculous came out in... When did that come out? Oh yeah, that was like two thousand. Like four years ago, five years ago. It did? Hold no, on. ridiculous I, was this. Ridiculous wasn't that long ago. It was like five years ago. That was two thousand and thirteen. Yep. I, yeah, I just I don't mean, understand how a, someone could put that song ahead of a song like that. I, I just don't. Well, I mean, I would put that up, but ridiculous. Calm down. That's ridiculous, <laughs> and I like ridiculous. What? Oh my goodness! Hold this, on, Tom. This, uh, I'm I'm going through the list right now. I don't even see ridiculous in the hundreds. So exactly, no. This, ri- that that just. Ri- <sighs> did you even rank the song during this whole list, Ed? I sure did. That's why ridiculous was at number one hundred one. Really? Oh wow! No, That's... ridiculous wasn't up there at all. I like ridiculous. Oh my goodness! Calm down. What? Oh my goodness! Ridiculous better than best part is the most ridiculous take I've ever heard. Even Raheem would be like, I don't know about that player. Oh, my goodness. You guys. Um, so before we get to number one, uh, Music Soul Child did appear on the list at number 71, I Do. I actually like Ridiculous better than that song, to be honest. And Shout out to the um, your boy, Al- the homie Alex. I think he nominated that one. When I saw that, I was like, oh. It's like Tom slid somebody a couple dollars to get his song up here. Wait, Who? I know this person? No, you don't know. 
Oh, okay. He's a listener of the podcast. Calm down. Shout out, Alex. <clears throat> and, and the best song of this decade is Adorned by Miguel. Uh, that was unanimous, it appears. Tom? That was quite unanimous. It just seems no like ridiculous, list, though. It just seems like the list is a little more trending towards more recent stuff because like people's memory doesn't go back past five years that's my take adorn was not recent it's but older than ridiculous but that's just like a, a, a safe answer though well some some might say adorn is still charting on the urban ac so well man. <laughs> it's true uh, I'm, I'm just a little i'm just a little upset guys it's, it's okay and i'll t- i'll tell you why tom is upset uh, oh i tom, know why but go ahead no, he's mad that you didn't put his favorite Faith Evans post-2010 record on this list. The record Baby Lay. What record is that? Baby Lay? <laughs> Baby Lay is pretty great, but I don't know if I would have put it above Adorn. Yeah, but see, the thing is, the people that rated these songs, did they even, or are they even aware of these type of songs? Like the Luke James song, Make Love to Me, which is easily a top 10 song in this decade. I mean, there were Luke James songs on the list, so yeah. Oh, man. We got to revamp this whole thing and start over from scratch. Good Lord. Well, guys, I have to run out for a second to handle some business. Please keep it civil and try not to get sued by Nivea in my absence. We will definitely slander your name from here on out, Ed. Have a good day. Well... (laughs) It'll be like I never <laughs> left then. I'll holler at you players next week. All, All right. right. Peace. All right. All right, Tom. So now that you've uh, seen this whole no, list. I'm not going to diss the list while Ed's not here. That wouldn't be right. So we'll, we'll no, keep it no, moving. No, we're, it's only... we're not going to diss the list. But what I want to know is as this decade comes to an end, what are some thoughts that come to mind about the sound of R&B during this this decade because you made a pretty controversial <clears throat> tweet the other day. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the sound as well as the progression of the genre in its entirety from a business standpoint and also a musical standpoint. What are your overall thoughts? Oh, to summarize, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like, I mean, the, the spiral downward kind of started before this decade started. That's why the site even exists because artists... Like, for example, a John B. or a Joe who went independent needed more outlets, so their their music wasn't prominent, and it got replaced by, you know, more trendier sounds, which have changed over the years. But um, honestly, I, I think it's come back to, in recent years. Like, the, the, the post I made was saying, basically... Um, R&B is now being being influenced is influenced by hip hop. It's not influenced by the previous greats like it used to be. Like every generation of R&B used to evolve, but it would be influenced by the previous generation. Now we're getting new generations of R&B who are influenced by rappers basically. So I think with artists like LMA and Her, you hear some of those 90s and and 2000s elements coming back, even Gallant, you know, we're getting that we're getting back to R&B being influence and paying homage to previous generations of R&B, which I think is good. I'm not going to say R&B is in that great place. In fact, I don't even think what you're calling R&B now is R&B. Is, is R&B, like R&B. They want to categorize it, but 
it's not the same thing, really. I mean, they want to call Khalid R&B, but really it's just a black singer. I mean, it, I don't consider his music R&B, so it's a loaded question to answer. I mean, do you have any thoughts? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough question to answer. Well, I'll tell you this. As I was going through this list and, you know, putting my list together of songs over the last 10 years, songs from, like, 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. like, Tom, There Goes My Baby by Usher came out in 2010. Or I guess 2009, mm. but the album came out in 2010. I forgot that era still had, you know, the R&B of old to an extent. I mean, it quickly shifted, I think, when the Frank Oceans and Weekends of the World came in and, and the EDM phase happened. But there was some pretty solid R&B records still being put out in the 2010s. Um, you know, and I agree with you. There was a period where everything kind of sucked. But I think we are starting to see some uh remains of the 90s and the 2000s r&b in today's uh artists and i think we will continue to see that as the nostalgia factor kicks in for the 90s and the 2000s because i think it's it's almost that time where the late 90s is now considered nostalgia so i think we'll see more traditional r&b influences taking place but it's a different generation now tom people nowadays they listen to everything like summer walker who is probably one of the biggest names in R&B right now, she's not necessarily just influenced by R&B artists. I think she listens to, like, rock music, too, and, like, punk music. So there are a lot of different influences in the music. So, Tom, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, never mind the current stuff. Can we go into the subject? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just reminded me of one thing, Kyle, about this decade, that the turning point in this decade, do you know what that was? What is that? Good Kisser by Usher. That could have single-handedly changed the whole, the whole sound of this decade, I feel like. But what happened? He didn't push it. He didn't really... I don't think he believed in it. I don't think the label believed in it. And then it just kind of faded away. But damn, that's probably going to be in my top ten. Actually, I would even argue that Fine China was the beginning of that, because oh, that was an R&B man. record, too. And then after that failed, he went to Loyal, so, and we never got him back. If those two songs, I mean, those are two examples of songs that they had done well. I'd say more so the Chris Brown one, because um, he's younger, and I don't think Usher has as much influence at that age, but I just look at those as missed opportunities. But that's another discussion for another time. We can spend another three hours on Fine China if you want. But let's get into the Soulback track of the day here, Tom. Okay. Uh, can we go with, uh, let's go with the Jaheem song, Put That Woman First. What do you remember that, Why about is, that one? I remember not liking that song at all. Oh. <laughs> Why'd you pick all that right, one? Then. I don't know. We got to sh- show Jaheem some love, especially because he wears these like fancy new outfits. Have you seen them? Oh, God. I've had a feeling this is where you were going, but. <laughs> Guys, you guys should check out Instagram at Jaheem. Uh, he's gone vegan, so he's slimmed down significantly, and he wears these, like... How would I explain it, Tom? It's, like, almost like Mortal Kombat-ish outfits. Like, he's ready to fight Liu Kang. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's going on. He had a pharaoh costume once. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he had, like, a, one of those, like, Kung Lao hats where he would, like, chuck it and chop people's heads off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
But uh, that was a big record, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, it was that was an interesting album because he had the song Fabulous first, which I, I don't remember being huge. He followed up with that one. Um, I'm a big Jaheim fan, though. The song Anything with Next obviously is one of my favorite songs of all time. And uh, he's got some songs. I was hoping we had KG on the Soulback podcast a few months ago, and he was hoping to re-sign him. And uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see if that pans out. I'm not sure. That would be a good, good thing to happen, though. Yeah. And I was just quickly looking. Um, do you remember the song Finding My Way Back? Yeah. That was a great song. Miguel wrote that, right? Yep, Miguel wrote that one. Do people know that song? Um, who are people? Like, does he play that as at his concert? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, so that's I, yeah, I'd say that, that's one of his prominent songs. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just feel like songs that came out in like two thousand and nine and two thousand and ten. It's like it can't be considered nostalgia because it still feels recent to people, but it's not necessarily new. It's in this like weird space where. I feel like a lot of artists don't perform songs from that era. You know what the interesting thing about Jaheim, though, you made me think of it when I, you know, when I've been to his shows, his audience is pretty old, and he's not even that. I think he's like forty, maybe I don't know, but like think about it. When he came out, you know, he gravitated to an older audience off the bat. I mean, you don't see that anymore. You see artists coming out and, and you know the kiddies latching onto them, but. Like, if you go to a Jaheim show, I might be the youngest one in there. It's interesting. That's what you get when you have a soulful voice, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're going to lay off the play of pleases for uh, this week, unless you have one. No, I'll wait till Ed gets back. Can I give Ed a play of please? For what? That list, man. That I, I, I can't get over it. That list. <laughs> Well, you'll have to make your All own right. list, list then. But, uh, <laughs> I might, have, Tom, I I think, might have to. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Uh, what's going on with, uh, you know, I got so. You should tell us what's going on, man. You've been killing it with these interviews and shows. Tom, I'm fired All of a up. People are coming to Vancouver. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of interviews. So I have uh, one with BG, the Chicago kid that I plan on publishing soon. Galant is another one. We just interviewed Claude Kelly and Chuck Harmony. I interviewed. Uh, who did I interview? Harmony. I'm trying to get Genuine. And uh, maybe I'll get Summer Walker and Daniel Caesar. I don't know if they actually do interviews. But uh, we shall see. I, I want to keep this thing going. I feel like we have great momentum and we're making great strides. And honestly, um, this just seems like a good opportunity for us to continue pushing, especially with the uprise of R&B in terms of popularity. Plus, we want to keep our uh, foots on these other R&B uh, blogs next. Can we say that? Oh, man. I don't know if you want to say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, also, aren't you going to be appearing on another podcast soon? Yeah, NPR reached out to us. They're going to have us on their 1A show, which is pretty cool to speak about the evolution of R&B in recent years. So it's pretty cool that we were able to cover some of that on here. So I'll, re I'll be representing the brand for that. Um, that's a pretty cool honor to have. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, I was hoping that uh, I would get invited too, because if it was just you, you would pretty much trash everything, but I think uh, you'll keep it PG and you'll keep it politically correct, but you might just end up trashing everything, Tom. Do I have to bring up that best part song to sound like I'm smart? Yes, you do. 
All right, Tom. I think right. that's it for this week. Uh, I think we're we're out of here. Ed will probably join us again next week. He had to take care of some business, but we'll all be back next week. Actually, I, I already uh, fired Ed from the show. We got Barry Bars joining us next week. Barry Bars, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, peace. Man. All right, man. We're out.